Hey, welcome to Real You Podcast. Um, this, I'm Mark, and we're going to continue in this series called I, Me, Myself, and Mine. Um, I'm going to try to, in the next, uh, I don't know how many episodes we're going to have of this, I want to take it nice and slow, and I'd like to help unravel this whole carnal mind and ego thing that's happening in our lives, many of us, if not all of us, and we're going to always start, of course, in the garden because that's where everything started, and I'm, I'm, I'm learning to decipher what really happened maybe there, what was handed down, and of course, um, you know, uh, I think it was Calvinism and stuff, they, they, they coined the, the phrase of original sin, and some of the early fathers um, had those ideas of what was handed down through Adam was original sin, that all have sinned, that comes short of the glory of God. But the next verse says we are being justified freely. And so there's a big gap between all have sinned in Adam and then being justified freely in Romans. There's a big gap there and there's a I know it's only like two verses, but the space in between is where we're living our lives right now. And the thing that I want to talk about this today is the fact that um what was really handed down was not so much sin, though it was, and it was a legal, well, I mean, you kind of approach it as a legal issue with God and his holiness and the heavenlies and all that, but um, on, on a more personal, deeper level. Because, on it, I mean, on it, to be honest with you, I mean, you can't, there's no way to read, read the, the New Testament and not realize through the epistles that everything's already been taken care of. And so the problem is, is going from that one verse to the next, going from, you know, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I mean, we, we've been, that verse has been beat into our heads forever. And, um, it is true. It's in there. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But the very next verse says, but being justified freely by his grace. So we're in the gap of that. And there's another, there's another portion of scripture that says, for by one man's disobedience all were made sinners and everybody believes that and everybody can agree with that because it it gives them a little bit of um explanation for all people's dysfunction and um you know back in the olden days when people would blow up and be angry and hateful and mean and i'm talking about in the church they would just say well all sin comes short of the glory of god well i'm just a sinner by nature well i'm just a sinner saved by grace well and it became it, it was pitiful because it became an excuse to be dysfunctional and this this uh teaching and this um process that i'm trying to take people on is is removing every excuse to be dysfunctional and removing and just exposing it for what it is and moving on and and trying to become the real you, the real person inside um, that, 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 you know, you take away all the things, the excuses, the um, everything. I, I remember I uh, had a leader friend of mine when I was really young at the Lord. And, I, I, you know, I was uh, zealous. I was, my heart was hundredfold into things of God and I just wanted to do the right thing I was so thankful that he had delivered me from such a great uh, thing but I irritated people and I remember um, you know one of my one of my great leader friends and, and he's still a friend of mine today an amazing man of God but back then he would get so frustrated with me 
He'd become violently angry and turn red, and it's like, wow, is this really happening? And then, it, and he would say, yeah, I'm angry, but it's all your fault. And I'm like, man, this this couldn't be any more carnal. This this is the deaf poster child for carnality right here, the carnal mind. And of course, over the years, he's definitely processed as we all have, and he's an amazing. He's one of my uh, best friends today. So um, I wanted to say that not so much just the legality of the sin is passed down. Oh, yeah, I want to I finish that thought. I, a lot of times I chase rabbits, but I usually almost always come back to them at some point. So we're living in that gap in that space in between the Adam and the Christ consciousness. We're, we're, we're living in the space between the carnal and the spiritual, between the flesh and the spirit between the carnal and the free and between the you know we're just in that space right now that's really where we're at and i believe god is just zeroing in on our lives and he's focusing and saying let's let's deal with this let's become the sons of god let's manifest his glory people always act like glory is something that's from the external so they have all these prayer meetings and they have these uh amazing services and they and yet the truth of the matter is the glory of god is the revelation of the oneness in him and and in john 17 the the scripture is very plain in jesus last prayer priestly prayer we call it he said lord give him the glory that you and i have give me back the glory that i had before i came and what was the glory and he says that they may be one even as we are one for this is the glory of god and he said, this is life eternal, that they may know you, you know. So uh, we have to reconfigure. I mean, we have, we have, because we have so many dysfunctional mindsets, we have the sinner saved by grace mindset, which is great. That's one, that's one part, but you've got to get into the, I am now the son of God. It does not appear what I should be. You've got to transition into the sonship mentality and get out of the sinner saved by grace mentality and and truthfully you are because paul says i am the chief of all of all sinners he didn't say i was but at the same token the same paul said i am the righteousness of god in christ so that's something you're gonna have to sort through that's something you had to come to grips with and I, beloved, I can tell you the truth. However you perceive it, that's how it'll be to you. So if you if you believe you're a sinner saved by grace only, and you can't there's in, and if you choose to just hang on that one scripture that says in my flesh is no good thing, so I'm no good thing. If that's what you want, then that's how you're going to live it, and God's going to let you do it. But if you press in and dare to believe that I am now the Son of God, and I'm created in the righteousness and likeness of Him, and I'm going to be restored in His likeness, and I'm going to press in, then that God will help you press in. So I was saying that we're, we're living in, in the space, and in the space of, for by one man's disobedience, all men were made sinners. The very next verse, I believe, says, so by one man's obedience all were made alive in Christ. And so we're living in that space. And I want to give you a definition, uh, my definition um, in, my, in my journey, in my study. My, and this has been a, um, this has probably been a 10-year, a, a, a consummation of a 10-year process and journey of, of unraveling myself. And, um, but the last since August, so it's been almost what nine months now, which is like a birthing season. I'm I'm actually uh, perceiving some things, and I, I hope it I hope it blesses you. I hope it challenges you. I hope uh, 
you get in and look for yourself. I I hope you just press in and go beyond even what I've got dug out. And so I want to try to take it slow. Um, I'm not in no hurry, but because I, I want to get the thoughts out correctly. And so firstly, I just want to say that the the ego or the carnal mind or the damning nature or the beast nature or, how, or the flesh, however you choose to describe it or define it, let's just say, first of all, it's made up of a bundle of thoughts over time. It is, it is, it's encouraged and found in past experiences with emotional attachment and feeling to those past experiences, which then are in turn manifested through attitudes and behaviors and it's all nicely wrapped and sealed in a belief system. And uh, let me just say that again. You're, I, I, you, you, you have to understand this. The carnal mind cannot survive without an emotional attachment, good or bad, to past experiences. The carnal mind is made up of a bundle of thoughts over time and through living past experiences with emotional attachment and feelings that are manifested through attitude and behaviors all sealed up and wrapped up and hidden behind a belief system. And truthfully, its primarily function is an illusion or a flawed reflection of your true self. And you can't fight it, but you must learn to recognize it and acknowledge it to take it captive. And being conscious of the fact of what I'm telling you is alive and well in you is the first stage of the battle. But you must deny its fuel and quit feeding this carnal mind or you'll never get victory over it. You can't fight it. You have to starve it to death. And that's very important. You, you can't fight the carnal mind. You must starve it to death. Starve its fuel that it feeds on. And, and I know this sounds really uh, off the wall, but our carnal mind cannot survive without a past. It, it feeds on the emotional attachment of experiences of the past, and it revisits these thoughts over and over in your mind, especially when something in your present or future reminds you of your past, and you relive the experience, and you sabotage your future experiences because of your toxic past. A lot of people, are their present-day relationships are toxic because they've been contaminated by their past. And if you want to, if you want to like give an analogy, it'd be almost like the Japanese um, nuclear tragedy that's happening right now. That, that residue of that radiation is, is toxic and it's going to contaminate people in the future. And that's the same, it's going to contaminate the ground the, the environment, the, um, the humanity, the animals, the air, the everything, it's, it's going to contaminate for years to come. And that's what happens. The carnal mind, yes, you had a tragic experience. Yes, 
I have no doubt that it was painful. Yes, all these things that created fear did all these kinds of things. But the, the issue is you can't let it become toxic to the point of now you, now you realize you think that that's really the real you talking and it's the carnal mind lying to you and telling you that it's really you. And um, what, I wanted to, what I wanted to share at this point is um, the carnal mind has a voice. Now remember, it's made up of past experiences and feelings and emotional and manifesting attitudes and behaviors hidden behind a belief system, but it has a voice. And when Adam was in the garden, and, and by the way, today we're, we're, we're sort of laying the foundation, <clears throat> but when Adam was in the garden and they partake of this tree of knowledge of good and evil, Genesis 3, chapter 1 through 7, when they, when they partook of this thing, you remember, we talk about it all the time. The one question that he couldn't answer was God asked him, who told you you were naked? Adam could not answer that question, and we still deal with that. And the beginning of becoming free is you got to learn to identify the voice inside of you that is telling you contrary to what God is saying. In other words, he identified what God had made as a flawed thing. Adam was already naked, but not ashamed. Now he's still naked. Nothing's changed, but now something's changed inside of him, and there's a voice in his head. It's the carnal mind that was awakened, and it was a voice that disguised itself as Adam's divine self. And now all of a sudden he's ashamed of the way that God had made him. And this voice of self, I wrote this down, it's formed in the mind. Self is a, is a voice in your mind that lives through external circumstances and past experiences. And it portrays itself as the divine you. And it could be the voice of reason, could be the voice of logic, could be the voice of conscience. But here's what I wanted to share with you today. In Hebrews chapter 10... And here's the problem. Here's 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 is a nutshell. Adam could not identify this voice. And my question to you is: can, Have you learned to identify this voice? And it's a it's a honest to God, it's not an easy thing because the reason why is because this voice sounds just like you. It's you talking to you, but it's not really you. It's the fragmented, disillusioned, false sense of you. It's the ego you. It's the carnal mind you. But I got. I got another mystery for you. Um, God sounds just like you too. <laughs> and so <clears throat> you have to discern the voices and you have to understand you gotta you gotta you gotta fight for what's true and what's right and not by you can't go by past experiences. You can't hide behind a, a belief Your belief system, if it's really of God, it'll stand. It'll stand on its own. It doesn't need defense. If you're defending your belief system, then you are, you're actually probably more than likely trapped by your own ego and carnal mind because a true belief system stands on its own, doesn't need defense, doesn't need any explanation, doesn't need any... I don't have to defend anything. It's not my place to defend it. And we have a whole generation of people 
who run around, and that's what all basically most of the wars are in the world that always have been and always will be is over religion, it's over defending a belief system, which the fact is, it's because the ego and the carnal mind is wrapped up and hides behind a belief system. And if you attack the belief system, it's like the outward shell, the wall of the city. If you attack that, then all Haiti's going to break loose and we're going to go to war. But the truth is, you just don't want anybody in your space to unravel you. And, but that's where real freedom is. And so, so Adam's voice inside his head all of a sudden, see, I always say that the voice of the serpent, you never hear him anymore. Because in the garden, he was an external voice in a serpent, in another being, in a beast. And that beast voice came inside of Adam. And he told Adam, you were naked now. It was a false sense of self. It was an ego. It was a carnal mind. And um, that's the beauty of God. When you're in God consciousness, listen to me. When you're in God consciousness, if you, if you just go back and read Hebrews chapter 10, just read the whole chapter, you will find that, that the writer, I, I, I assume that as Paul sounds like him, doesn't matter. I know it was God who inspired it. But the writer is saying in Hebrews chapter 10 that the law was a shadow of things. And every time they brought a sacrifice, there was a remembrance of sin. But then it talks about Jesus. And it says, lo, I've come to do thy will. And you had no pleasure in sacrifices. And I came to sacrifice. And he says that he take away the first to establish the second. Hebrews 10, 10. And we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all and forever. But this man, after he offered sin, sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God, waiting for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one offering, he had perfected forever those who believed it, those who were sanctified. And this is the covenant. I will put my law in their hearts and their minds. I'll write them and their sins and iniquities. I will remember no more. Now, when there's remission of this, there's no more need for offering of sin. It's already done. But I don't know if God can find a people who, who just take him at his word. See, that's the battle. Don't feed your ego by your external circumstance. Don't feed it its pain. Don't feed it its pleasure. Just accept the fact that everything has been done so there will be no more conscience of sin. And here's why. I believe I have a sneaky suspicion. I could be wrong. But it, this is not doctrine. This is just a conversation. But I have a sneaky suspicion that to be in the heavenly realm, to live in eternity, to be in this Christ consciousness, to live in this God space, is to come to a place to have no awareness of past experience in the sense of having emotional attachment to it. Like, I believe that I believe when you get to heaven, let's say, let me just say this. I believe that when you get to heaven, you don't remember any of the past evil or consciousness or everything. That's why forgiveness is so perfected because he says, I remember your sins no more. In other words, I remit your offense of your sin. Yes, I know you may have done this or that, but I've chosen because in my heavenly consciousness space, I have no carnality, and I have nothing to attach myself. I have no emotional attachment to what you did in the past. And so you can live in the forgiveness in the now. Forgiveness is always about coming into a space of God 
and being able to let go of the emotional attachment of past experience and release people. That's why over, I believe the more I'm pressing into God, the less I hurt about what had happened to me and who actually I take more, um, I'm more hurt by my own dysfunction rather than those that hurt me. And I wasn't that way 10 years ago. But the more I get in this God consciousness awareness, the more I starve my carnal mind from feeding on past pain and experiences. I'm telling you the truth. I'm, I'm, I'm coming to a place of, of really letting go, of living in a present day forgiving mode of just, just, you know, I'm more disappointed, I'm more disappointed than my, when I look back at my past experiences, I'm disappointed more. Uh, on the based upon the fact of the things that I have done to cause others harm and and been miscommunicated and I've learned to re, I'm learning to release the, the emotional attachment because that's where my carnal mind gets its food from. I'm not there yet. I still have dreams and I wake up and go, "Wow, where'd that come from and what happened?" But I'm just fighting the good fight of faith, and that's what is the good fight of faith? Believing that God everything God said and did about me and to me and for me is true and everything contrary is not. And that's just where I live. So if you think upon the, if, if you, if you can indulge me and, and, and agree with this thought for just a moment, when Adam was in God's presence and God's consciousness, God's garden, God's energy, God, and when he was in the heavenly realms with God, the spiritual places, Ephesians says, all of a sudden, this carnal mind was awakened, and he no longer was a. He wasn't. There was no way he was going to stay in the garden in that carnal mind state. And God was never going to allow him to eat the tree of life in that carnal mind state. And so, what I believe happened is he could not let go of the emotional attachment to his past failure, and God knew it, so he had to let him go. It's almost like the he's the. Um, uh, apprentice, he's the Donald Trump, and God looked at Adam and said, "Adam, you're fired. Pack your stuff. You're out of here. Keep your suitcase packed." So today, I just want to leave you with the thought that that the, I, I got to tell you this again: the carnal mind is made up of a bundle of thoughts over time that it infused by past experiences with an emotional attachment and feelings to these past experiences that will manifest through us, through our attitudes and behaviors, and it's sealed all nice and hidden behind a wonderful belief system that keeps securing your dysfunction. Bless you today. Um, I, me, myself, and mine. And um, let's just let's just go on this journey together and unwrap each other, unwrap ourselves. Let ourselves be unwrapped. God bless. Uh, see you again. If this is a blessing to you, pass it on. Write me an email. Give me a reference. Just, just don't be silent. Let me know this is a blessing. Pass it on to people who, who need it. Challenge people with it. Challenge your own self. Search it out and see if these things be true. Till next time, God bless.